0: And a very warm welcome to Hodge on Nodge. You may see, I've still got the Celtic flag behind me that I had in Michael Bailey's podcast. But I do assure you, I have a few canary bits and bobs that are going to be going up on the wall soon enough. But this is an exciting time for Norwich City Football Club. We stand on the cusp of maybe getting some money, actual money to compete in the Premier League. How good is that? So I thought, despite my hectic new work schedule, that I would come back for a one-off special podcast to get people here that can elucidate us as to what these Americans might bring to Norwich City. So in order to do that, I will bring them in individually. We have Benjamin Royer and Sam Seaman. So introduce Ben, who's probably a less familiar face first. Ben is a baseball journalist, and, well, you, you do... Like loads of different stuff out in the US, Ben, um, but you're obviously a baseball expert, so you will know a lot about the Milwaukee Brewers and the people behind the Milwaukee Brewers. So We've got you here for that expertise. How are you doing, mate? And welcome to Hodge on Norwich.
1: Thank you, Hodge. Uh, I'm very excited to be here to talk about Norwich, um, you know, supporters since 2017. And uh, I mean, I've, I've seen the rise and now I'm seeing a little bit of the fall, but hopefully this investment helps helps us out into the future.
0: Yes, it does. Hopefully it gets rid of the Yo-Yo Club. And Sam Seaman, mate, me and you have been on a few podcasts together, but never with you officially as an accredited, striped-up professional journalist, mate. Congratulations on the pinkin for signing you and on you for getting the job, mate. How are you finding it in the, the nitty gritty of the journalistic cold face, mate?
2: I'm loving it, yeah. It's it's really great so far. I'm sure um your listeners aren't super interested in the, the nuts and bolts of um, sports journalism but no I'm uh, I'm loving it so far it's a, a great group of people and obviously it's been a busy busy few weeks I was thinking actually um, when you when I was watching your intro that I'm the only one out of the three of us that isn't on a sort of American schedule at the moment with your <laughs> basketball gig and, and Benjamin obviously living out there so um, yeah um, I've probably had a fair amount of uh, more of the day than than you two have had by this point. So That's
0: true, mate. Like, when it comes to sleep, you definitely should be speaking the most. Well, I don't know, Ben, you're actually on a normal sleep schedule for your country. So if anyone's going to be talking utter drivel in this podcast, it's without doubt going to be me. Now, it's good to see plenty of people are already joining the stream. Um, And anyone who's listening back in the podcast, really grateful for you guys as well, because anyone that shares it and lets people know that we are live once again and we are doing an episode I do appreciate I'm trusting that you boys as I requested off here have both put the tweet out on your feeds and anyone who is listening out, if you could um, make sure and get like a tweet out or share it on whatever platform you're listening on then I would be grateful because that is why we do this thing we do it so that people can listen and they can learn so hi to a few people that are saying hello Mark Foster big baseball fan out in the U.S says he's a good few friends in Wisconsin. And I did actually share on my own Twitter a really useful thread that Mark put out uh, about the potential uh, investment group or ownership group. That's one of the things that we're going to come to in this. Because that's the big question for me. I've got a feeling in my bones that this is a takeover. I do have that feeling in my bones that this is a takeover beginning to happen. I have nothing, I've not been putting out feelers to substantiate that, because to be honest with my day job, I'm too busy right now to undertake any sort of put your head down a rabbit hole type journalistic assignments, but that's why I brought this guy, um, Sam with us, to hopefully shed some light on that. Hello to Azucar Space Head, Tom Colton, anyone else who has said hello, hello. Um, Mark, if you didn't see the start of the pod, I do have my American Aries um thing, and I have pointed out there are a few Norwich City bits that will be going up, but hey-ho. Right, good. Let's get a bit more background on this takeover. Let's start off at the beginning. Always the best place to start. Sam, the story broke uh, from you guys in the pinkin. Absolutely brilliant scoop. Friend of the podcast, friend of the Norwich City fan community, Connor Southwell, um, who along with the help of you and the, the rest of the team there, managed to break what's A pretty massive story, and what I love about it is, at the end of a season where we felt nothing but dejection after dejection from match day to match day, from just every paltry performance and basically putting the white flag up from from very early on in the season. In many ways, to have something like this break. It just gives that bit of excitement because I think I I said in Michael Bailey's podcast, the the season-ending one that was on, I think the Premier League has got to the size now that if you don't have outside investment, you simply cannot compete, which is shocking in terms of the English football pyramid. I think it's got grave consequences for for the rest of English football, but that's not what we're interested in. What we're interested in is the fact that Norwich City may be sitting on the cusp of some investment and as I speculatively and sensationalistically suggest, a takeover, but Sam, let's start at the beginning. What was the story? How did it break? How did you guys manage to find us out? And how, what, what stages is everything at, as as you best understand it at the moment?
2: Yeah, so Thursday night, we uh, we became sort of aware that it, it might be a, a thing. Obviously, checked it and, and did a bit more background research into the uh, the situation on friday and a big part of that for us was a fantastic picture that paul chesterton took for focus focus images um we, we we found that image and actually once we had one name um for for the investors we it was then quite easy to find on the milwaukee brewers the names of all of the on their website the names of pretty much everyone that was in that photo um so yeah that photo was a is a key sort of piece of evidence and Mm-hmm. probably we wouldn't be where we are now if they hadn't been in the director's box for that, that Tottenham game. Um, so, yeah, we obviously broke that story. I think it was around three o'clock on Friday afternoon. Um, and the situation, as we understand it, is that, yeah, this this group of people are looking at investment in, in, in Norwich City and they're in pretty advanced talks. Um, it hasn't been confirmed to us whether that's what Stuart Webber was referring to when he said, there would be some, I think it was exciting and surprising news, was the quote. I don't um, think it's... the club's
0: confirming very much to you guys at the moment. <laughs>
2: That's a, another topic for another day. But um, yeah, we we haven't had that confirmed. But I think there are a lot of people drawing that conclusion that this might have been what he was referring to. Um, and yeah, obviously it was a, a group of, I uh, remember as many names as I can, uh, Mark Atanasio, uh, Richard Ressler. Um, two of, of Mark's sons and then I think there were three other associates um, that are involved with the Brewers that were there um, for that, that Tottenham game and, and yeah as I said we we understand they are looking at investment in Norwich City and um, yeah it looks to be in a, a pretty advanced stage but we'll, we'll see. And okay
1: I'll... I find it I find it so interesting um, you know that Stewart video it was so polarizing to the Norwich City supporter base okay the video comes out and then there's that little tiny bit of excitement that we see which is there's some exciting news and then everyone's scouring to find that news and then we get it and yeah. it's and you were saying earlier Haji it's like we had that such a low of a season such a a miserable drift towards the end of the Premier League run and then we have this little glimmer of hope and now we're sort of seeing that turn into, you know, possible investment. I mean, as you said, it could be a takeover. What well, We don't know all the details yet, but I think it's just, it's awesome that there's that little tiny bit of excitement that we can see heading into this next championship season and then hopefully another Premier League run.
0: Yeah, and um, by the way, just as we're, we're going live right now, Steve Cooper has just completed a fantastic managerial job getting Nottingham Forest back in the Premier League. Quite glad we're not going to be able to have to, to to play them next season um because steve cooper good friend of stuart weber's by the way uh has done a job there uh and if not no forest dispense with him and if something goes wrong with dean smith maybe he could end up at norwich City. who knows the way that the cookie will crumble Um, think you are spot on there ben sam i was really interested in what you're saying in terms of things being at quite an advanced stage why is is that the understanding um, and what what is the latest understanding with regards to takeover, investment how it's going to look
2: Yeah I mean I, I think in terms of the advanced stage of it you just think, I, I just don't think they, they're in the director's box and that easily accessible for, for people that want to know who they are if it's not at an advanced stage and that, that Weber you know I wouldn't want to go alone on that, that Weber quote and say that's exactly what he was talking about but I think that does add to the Maybe suspicion that it's uh, at an advanced stage. Um, in terms of whether it's a, a smaller investment or a takeover, I, I'm sure people understand that I, I don't really want to speculate too much when we don't know 100%. But as soon as, as, soon as we. Do you have
0: a personal feeling, though, out with sort of your, your, your kind of what you can qualify journalist?
2: <sighs> My opinion is it, it, it's a, a very. Wealthy individual with a a huge baseball team, and I don't I don't understand why you'd be interested in a very small investment in a club like Norwich City, unless you're taking it as um, sort of a, an exploratory step to find out what's going to happen, and then maybe go further in the future. As I say, that's just for now. That's just my opinion. As soon as we have any sort of concrete idea.
0: We'll all we'll, we'll feel personally. I we struggling a bit with audio
1: Yeah, yeah um, I'll just add on to what you just said, though, Sam. Um, part of it is they sent out this big group to Kara Road. And I think that's a big, big idea, too. I think if he was really, uh, Mark Intensio was really just coming out to just visit and see what things were, you know, putting out a feeler. It would have just been him or maybe him and his sons, but he took a group of individuals that run the Milwaukee Brewers, especially some of the front office, which run the day-to-day operations of who the players are, what they're doing, and brought them in the middle of the baseball season to England to discuss... An investment, and that to me just screams that it's serious because you're not taking that much effort, that much time. I imagine this is a multi-day trip of talks with uh, Delia and company, and then possibly talks with Stuart Rubber as well, and trying to figure out what the you know the situation is regarding. How much do we want to invest? Do we want to possibly put in a bid to take over the club? And then um, go from there. I, I, personally, I've i I'm always been a big fan of how North City's been run. I think that, you know, one, it's very s- self-funded in the way that we sell players to make a profit and then buy new players. And I think that's a way that I think that's it's become a pretty... Uh, It's a polarizing idea, especially with when you get to the Premier League and you don't necessarily have the talent to keep up with the rest of the league, but you're not getting the Emi Buendia types. You're not getting the Timu Pukis if you're not running the club that way. And I think that's something that I'd like to see continue if this investment happens. But then you'd have to hope that if Delia and then Mark are working together in a way where Mark's investing money into the current ownership group, that we see an additional... Uh, let's say, 20, 30 million available to go out and get those players that are not necessarily available right now.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting point you bring up, actually, with the sort of size of the group, because I'm sure you're in a better position to, to describe the roles that people like, I think, David Stern. I hope that's the, the right the name. David Stern. It wasn't just, wasn't just financial types that were that were in the director's box, was it?
1: Yeah. And David Stearns is the president of baseball operations for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, when he was hired in, I believe, 2015 to run their uh front office. And then he he is the Stuart Weber of the Milwaukee Brewers. He just he decides what is happening uh from day to day. He, of course, you have to give the approval of the owner, Mark Intensio, and then you go from there and decide what you're doing. But what's so interesting to me is that. I'm just going to say, for example, Billy Bean, who was the president of baseball operations, still is the president of baseball operations of the Oakland Athletics, Is a uh, works for Liverpool. He works for um, a, a, a team in Turkey. And he also uh, is part of the ownership group for Barnsley. And he was a big driving force throughout Barnsley's promotion run last year. Of course, things didn't go as well for Barnsley in the championship this year. But I think it's interesting to me. That we see another baseball front office mind taking the interest of um, joining in and becoming a, a a part of a football organization and try and make make some moves possibly maybe work with Weber try and see a new sustainable way to run the club while still trying to be competitive.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be going to be interesting to see if they're able to do that. While we sort of wait for <laughs> Apologies to come back. Um, sort of trying to think of the the various aspects of it. Um I wrote a piece actually for um Pink and Pink and Plus that Pink and Plus subscribers can access that's about the relationship between um Richard Ressler and Mark Atanasio uh who are the, the two sort of big financial players in this this group. Uh, I think uh, Richard Ressler is worth just over a hundred million dollars and and uh Mark Atanasio is worth over just over 700 million, um, but obviously based on estimations. And it, you can understand why Delia and Michael have sort of, because they've been so choosy about who they allow to even um, get into any sort of serious negotiations about investment. Um, they're clearly picky about who they want to take over from them. And they've always talked about themselves as custodians of the club and they want to secure the best possible future that they can. And uh, the interesting link that I found between Wrestler and Atanasio is that they've pretty much been linked since uh, college or university when they both went to the same uh, university in Michigan. Um, Atanasio then followed Wrestler when they they moved to when he moved to Brown University, and they've pretty much been doing business together, various different companies and things, up until now. Um, I think that's that's probably it, it. Feels like a family. If you've seen that picture on our website, um, available on Pinkham.com, of course, you can see that um, Atanasio's two sons are actually flanking Wrestler and, and sort of talking to him, very you know in a very familiar way, and it feels like a, a family sort of setup. Um, do you think that that's contributed to why they're in the position they are, given how much of a you know family community club Norwich are clearly keen to to assert that they are.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely part of it. Um, I think one, uh, sadly, I feel like in a way, you know, we get this little old Norwich stigma that comes around when thinking about Norwich City. You know, we're kind of isolated from the rest of England in a way. Uh, uh, Away supporters always dread the trek out of Norwich. It's a long, it's a long away day, you know. Um, It's, it's interesting to me because um, I think that Delia is finally found and Michael have finally found someone that is one has the financial backing that they're looking for. I think that if you look at other smaller clubs within the EFL pyramid, they're keen to go to smaller groups that have just enough money to reach out and try and boost them. This is a completely different case. This is a guy that could be funding money for now. And then also for the future and the, the, the combo of Mark and, uh, Richard, is that correct? That's the name, correct? Yeah. 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 Uh, the combo of them is one Richard already plays sort of like, a, I would say an uncle type role to one, yeah. his children. And then two, um, they've both been involved with the Milwaukee Brewers and helping them build their own postseason season push. Um, because one in baseball, you go to the postseason every year. There's, there's no promotion relegation situation. Um, But as of recent history, they've been this close to getting to the World Series, the grandest stage of them all in baseball. And, you know, maybe now's the time where we see the Milwaukee Brewers take that extra push with financial. And I think that would ease some of the concerns some Norwich fans have as well, which is that um, if you look at some forums on the internet, if you talk about the Milwaukee Brewers ownership, you see there are some conversations about the Brewers being cheap with how they use their money. Um, that's not necessarily the case. Um, the Milwaukee Brewers roster is probably four times or five times the amount of money Norwich currently has on the books. Um, it's just how they spend their money. I think baseball is a very different way of running one a business. But the two things that baseball and uh, football in here in England have in common is that there's no salary cap. I mean, you can spend unless you're in the lower stages of the EFL, but you can spend as much as you want to try and make that push. And I think that's where a lot of people get one, the American ownership ideals a little wrong in ways is that, yes, for example, the owners of uh, Arsenal, owners of Man U, they come from a very different financial background but this the situation is two sports that are very different but are very similar in the way they're financially run which i also think could be a, a very successful venture if it's finally uh, figured out
2: yes it's probably worth getting your sort of take on how how the the brewers are run and, and how that might transplant itself onto norwich what what sort of thing of of have... Atanasio and Co got going at, at the Brewers? Um, and how do you think they could sort of bring that to, to Carrow Road?
1: Well, one I think is they've spent a lot of money to build a player development staff that is honestly probably top five in Major League Baseball. And I think that's something that Norwich already does very well. But as we've seen in the last two years, there's been a lot of staff changing. Um, we've seen staff in the first team, you know, Daniel Farkin Company, they're out of here. Okay. But then we've also seen at the lower stages in U23, that's also has some shuffling as well. One I think is finding the stable player development system that works. I mean, the Norwich Academy, I mean, in the last decade or so, it's been some of the best player development we've seen across England. I mean, you have players from Norwich playing at all levels of football right now. And I think that's something important that we also have to look at when regarding Norwich. Um, But another way that they're so well run is identifying talent i'm going to give an example most english people will not know who this is but his name is christian yelich okay uh, a lower financial team in them in major league baseball the miami marlins were looking to trade yelich and the brewers traded for him um a transfer for if you if you if you would say and they were able to get a package that really wasn't shelling out that much it was honestly kind of a fleece of a deal And then Yelich went and had a uh, a most valuable player season, the highest honor you can get in the league. And then they extended him for 10 years, almost 10 years. And that's something that's also very interesting is they identified talent, went and made the risk to get the talent, and then extended him. And he's making upwards of $25 million a year now. And I think that just shows that once they find the talent they're looking for, they're willing to shell out the money for it. And I think that's something that we've been lacking at Norwich lately, is we have the talent. We've had the James Madison. We've had the Jamal Lewis. We've had the Emmy Buendia. But are we going to be able to hold on to them? Are we going to be able to answer their financial questions? I mean, we were able to see Aston Villa, even though Jack Relish no longer is at Aston Villa, but they were able to keep him for a championship season. They were able to keep him to stay in the Premier League and that's something that I think Norwich is going to be is going to have to be able to do in this next uh next bit to try and uh close the gap between being between 19th and 24th in England and getting to that 10th through 17th in England where you're safe from being relegated.
2: Yeah, I think that's an absolutely excellent point in terms of the contracts because recruitment is never surefire you never have a guarantee that a player is going to work um but obviously the chances are that at some point you're going to find a couple of players at every window that really do add to that and you you think in terms of contracts and what Norwich can offer if they could have maybe had maybe offered a little bit more in previous years would now they you know not they wouldn't be surviving on two or three star players every year would they have you know Max Aaron's in the same team as James Madison, who's in the same team as Emi Buendia, um, you know, in the, in the same team as Ben Godfrey. Would they be? Would they have been able to build these sorts of star teams if they had the the back into to 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 add to those contracts and even in bringing players in? There've been a lot of reports of you know fees being agreed and things last summer, and then the players wanted contracts that Norwich just couldn't afford under their current. Um, ownership model and under their current wage structure and it's an excellent point you raise. I I saw you talk about it on Twitter actually and I think that might actually be something that Norwich benefit from most because you know as as controversial as the recruitment was last summer Stuart Webber does have a a decent track record of bringing in players mainly at at championship level that bring value and, and finding them cheap it's just about when they increase their value maybe that investment will take away from the need to sell as soon as, as that value is reached or as soon as their first incredible season ends. Um, and I think that's that's probably quite exciting for Norwich fans. How do you see that balance? Because obviously Stearns was in the director's box. If he does become involved in the, the Norwich City side of things as well as, as the Brewers side of things, how do you see that working out in terms of who does the job between
1: him and Stuart Webber? Well, I think Stuart Weber is obviously going to have the most insight regarding how football teams are run. I think you can always have someone come in and give their financial understanding of a situation. And I think that's something David Stearns can do very well for Norwich is one, they're good. Both of them, I would say, are great at identifying talent. Okay, Uh, They find good players, one, through the youth systems. And then as they get to the major league side of things, the first squad, first team squad side, side of things, they're good at that side of it. Um, I think that Norwich is always going to be a team that is going to have that great player leave for a high fee. But I think where things are going to switch up now, let's see if this investment goes through, is Norwich will be selling those players, but then be able to shell out towards players that are at the same level. And I think that's where we've seen the step-off, especially in this most recent recruitment window. I'm a big fan of Joss Sargent, okay? One, I'm an American. One, I have red hair. I mean, when he signed, I put on my Norchkin and immediately took a photo like he did in, in his original. I was out of this world excited for Joss Sargent. But I would be the first to admit that he was not ready for Premier League football. I mean, he still has the rawness that, you know, a youth player still holds. But he has the other attributes that can help build a championship squad. And, you know... Even Christoph Zolas, I know that he's likely on his way out into Belgium, but still, that's still the championship recruitment we're looking for, but when you get rid of players that are probably your best player, I mean, Emi Buendia, I think this was the quest to recreate Emi Buendia through multiple players, especially uh, Milo Rashica. I mean, Milo is great. I mean, I'm a big fan, but then again, you're trying to convince guys to come together and they're not in one proper system because you have a coaching switch and they're not in, uh, I would say, a, a team chemistry standpoint where you're used to playing with the same group of guys. And I think that's when you see teams thrive. So as you said about uh, Stearns and Weber trying to work together, I think it's finding one, the balance of how Norwich is already run. It's a sustainable club. It's a team that's going to make profit, hopefully, in Hopefully there's not, not, not another pandemic coming that's going to ravage some financial situation. But um, I think it's finding the balance to create Norwich into a Premier League standard club instead of a yo-yo club. I mean, I don't mind the yo-yo-ness of it all. I'm a newer supporter, but I can understand people that I've been supporting for their entire lives. And it's just a it's a difficult thing to watch your team go up and down, up and down. And also the mental side of it is absurd to me. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting point you, you bring up in terms of the yo-yoing. Um, I saw a, a tweet, I can't remember who it was, so I apologise, but somebody raising the fact that weber in that interview with uh, club media, he, he did sort of say, he did admit probably more than we've ever seen before that this model, it, it was pretty close, I mean, not that close, but relatively close compared to what he said before to admitting that this model isn't going to work in the Premier League, um, and I did. It did strike me as strange as soon as I, I'd somebody had raised that point. I, I did think it was it was strange. Do you think he was more willing to admit that because, well, the suggestion is that if this investment goes through, they're not going to be in that situation anymore.
1: Yeah, um, I think part of it is that. I think the other part of it is if he didn't come out and say that, I'm just imagining. Uh, what was happening at the final games of the season and Stewart and the fans going at it, you know. um, It's definitely not a good situation to have, one, your sporting director on the other side of what the supporters are believing. So he one, he needed to come out and say, uh, you know, this isn't what we thought the season was going to be. We made some mistakes. But then there's the other side of it is he has a righteousness aspect to him, which is I know that I'm right but I don't want to admit it. And I think part of me says, you know, he knows that the way he's running the club right now, the way Delia and Mike are able to fund the club is yo-yo up and down. But then there's also, I bet the part of him that believes, but I can do this if I just get the right group of people. I think everyone has that aspect to them that believes they can fix Norwich. I I, I mean, I see people online all the time listing out the transfer list that they would, get you know to, to to make Norwich a better squad bring them to the next level but then there's the reality aspect of it which is you need to have the money to be able to do that I think Weber is upset that the season went the way it is but he's also of the belief that he can fix it again which I'm not so sure is the case we'll have to see what happens with recruitment
2: yeah I mean it's a, another discussion really But in terms of the, the recruitment I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about the recruitment in the coming weeks but we've also seen behind the scenes quite a lot of in and out and um you know people have started to, to raise an eyebrow at the the number of sort of backroom staff that have now been moving on are the the brewers the sorts of you know the the, the people looking at investing are they the sorts of people that are going to value stability and bringing in the right people and in the same way that they do with the players um do you see them bringing in the people that they want and then tying them down and, and wanting that stability for a long, a long time.
1: Yeah, I would say that one in Major League Baseball in general, um, most front office people, people that help run day to day operations, they're staying for a, a little while, five, six years at the least. Of course, promotions come every now and again. We see this at every single level of professional sports is your, for example, David Stern started as the general manager and moved into the present of baseball ops operations role, which is just uh promotion in title in a way. I mean, it's a slight more bit of uh responsibility. Um, he currently has someone under him as well. That is the general manager of the team. So um, one it's finding that, uh, you know, can we keep these people for this long? I think they are able to keep these people for long. And I think that's a great part of the Milwaukee Brewers system is that they've had, one the players, they don't have a lot of huge turnover on their team. Of course, they have trades and new free agency signings every now and again. I saw um, I saw Mark bring up in the chat that they signed Lorenzo Kane a few years back. Which maybe if they look at it now, it wasn't as smart of a signing. He was an aging veteran player, but um, you know, it's a it's figuring out. Um, do you, you want to have the same people making decisions over time? Because that's when you find. That you're making the right decisions is because if you keep on having new people enter the fray that's when you're going to have a, a struggle to help build a team and we see that with some teams in major league baseball is when you've had new ownership switches within a decade you don't find as much success because there's not the same stability and i think that's something norwich needs i mean i was personally a little upset to see how much backroom staff was leaving i mean i have follow Norwich. I've followed these people on Twitter and you see these posts and it felt like back to back to back to back of this is my last week at Norwich. This is my last day at Norwich and I'm moving on to other opportunities. And it really didn't feel like their choice. And, you know, that's something that I feel like is upsetting, especially for a club that claims to be so community focused is when you have the community leaving. And that's something that we, I think as Norwich need to fix in the future is make sure that community is staying. And I think that's something that new ownership group can try or new uh, investment group can try and do, but I think it's difficult. I mean, we've seen how financial status has changed one, the EFL pyramid structure, as well as the premier league. And you see teams going to administration and it only takes a few bad financial years for that to happen. So I think mainly it's avoiding chaos in financial situation but also creating stability. And I think that's with year to year, having these people stay in the roles is something that, that can definitely help.
2: Yeah, I think that community aspect is, is another thing that Delu and, and Michael and Jones would have been looking at when they were sort of um, doing their, their due diligence on these this potential investment group. Um, and I'm sure that, that will be important to them. A question that I've had a, a couple of people ask uh, and I will, I'll go back to Hodgie in a minute, the, uh, who I've, I've taken over from his host, I think for the last few minutes, but I'll just ask Benjamin one more question. Um, a question I've been asked quite a lot, or I've seen people asking sort of hypothetically, or just putting out into the universe is, is why
1: Norwich? Yeah. And you know, that's a really good question. Um, I think this is the same question that we could ask the American investors who stepped into Ipswich. You know why Ipswich? I think they see one the success of being in the Premier League is pretty exciting. I think that's something that um, even if it's a one-year situation, it's a lot of money. I mean, just thinking about it from, from a financial perspective, you could be in deficit one year in the Premier League. You're making profit hypothetically if you're not spending out, outwards to help the team in that year. Hope oh, the hope is you get the money and then go and help the team because I mean, that's the whole idea of going to the premier league is that you, you want to stay in the premier league. But I think one, the thing is, is I think Dealey and Michael, um, I think they were actively trying to search for someone. And I think they probably had some outside help trying to identify possible investors. So I think this is an effort. That was probably a multi-month process of getting done. I mean, you have to, plan so far in advance to have someone fly out to Norwich, a group of people all on the same schedule flying out to Norwich. And like I said, in the middle of a baseball season, it wasn't like it was the off season. It was the middle of the baseball season, all of them. And that shows the seriousness, seriousness one of the situation. And as well, I think the want to be part of Norwich. And I think Dealey and Michael probably do a very good job of selling the idea of the family community the youthfulness of Norwich. It's not a difficult sell. No, hey, that's a good point, right? I mean, if they were able to sell me to support the team. So, I mean, there's, it, go, it goes both happen, ways. How
0: did by the way? Because I'm obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm very wary that I might ask questions and go over ground, which was covered during my absence, as I, I did didn't, the didn't sort didn't of device equivalent of trains, planes,
1: and automobiles. Um but yeah like how did you become an Norwich fan man So it was in 20s late 2016 or early 2017 um I would have been the first person to say well in America we call it soccer so I'm just going to say soccer here um but oh, we no. I would have been like I hate soccer this is the worst sport why would I want to watch people run around 24/7 And then I said to myself you know I want to get into the US men's national team and, you know, this is when we thought we were going to the World Cup. So this is a whole nother situation. So, um, you know, I wanted to get into that. And then I asked a friend, I said, hey, can you please suggest to me possible teams? I don't want to root for a top 16. That's what everyone does. And especially here in the United States, if you're thinking I, I of respect
0: you... the non-Glory Hunter bit in you. That's good, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, who who really wants to root for a Chelsea or Man City? I mean, I have friends that are Arsenal supporters. I mean, it's not as – I mean, that l- lately it's not as fun, but I see people complaining about losing one match, and I'm like, we're over here losing every match. I mean, <laughs> imagine how I'm feeling waking up at 7 a.m. to watch Norwich play. But, you know, it's that love for the club I have now. But then I, I he suggested one possibility was West Rom, which were currently in the Premier League at the time. And then the other suggestion was Norwich. And uh, to be honest, I love the color yellow. So I think that's just what it was at the end of the day was I wanted to root for a team that was yellow and green. And at the time, lucky for me, I don't think I would have stuck through with supporting Norwich because it was a difficult ask for me to wake up. You know, I wake up at 6.30 just so I'm awake to watch the matches. And someone was streaming Chris Gorham's commentary on YouTube. And that was all I needed to watch and, in, well, not even watch, just listen and enjoy. And he takes you into Carroll Road. And I think that's what, that's what made me a Norwich supporter is, one, hearing the roar of the crowd that's while he's awesome. commenting. You can hear the chants in the background the entire time. You hear on the ball city an absurd loudness over the radio. And I think that is what kind of connected me to the club and made me love it so much is one just listening to his radio. As, as a commentator
0: me. myself, man, yeah. I don't know if you know this. I was, yes. uh, if it was 2017, I was the club commentator for the club TV channel. So as a commentator myself, I love hearing that. I love hearing that it was a commentator that brought you in and made you feel part of it. And Chris Gorham, like Chris Gorham could commentate on five live or national stations if he wanted, but he commentates for Norwich City. And again, a bit like the local journalists like yourself, Sam said it a million times in this podcast, the standard of coverage that Norwich City get from fanic channels and, and entities, um, as well as the the actual established media, uh, is fantastic. And, and Norwich fans should be really grateful for that. I did catch some of the points while I was away, so apologies for the kind of scattergun nature that I'm going to go on here asking questions. But I want to pick up on a few bits that, that, that you guys were saying. I was interested in what you were saying, Ben, about the... The, the, the kind of disconnect that there's been, but also pointing out where there has been real success in recruitment at the various levels of Norwich City Football Club over the course of Stuart Weber's tenure. Obviously, people are going to fixate in the fact that for both Premier League campaigns, all the excuses were trotted out for the first season financially. But we had a go at it this time and it was a ridiculous. A, a ridiculous um, failure recruitment-wise. I, I don't think you could point to one of the signings ins and, and say that they were... Like very successful. You can maybe point to one or two and say that they just about got past well, Mark. If you
1: were planning on competing, I think Rashika is a fantastic signing, but we weren't competing. So it's like if you're not competing and you're not holding it, it's it's a different No, th-
0: This is interesting. You. I had a conversation with one of my pals, uh, give him a shout-out just in case in the off chance that he's listening, doubt he's listening to an Orient podcast. But if you're listening, James Bennett, um I was talking to him and we were we were discussing how if Norwich City had been able to maybe implement what they idealistically were trying to do at the start of the season, now, I've sp- spoken on, on other podcasts and platforms about a lack of alignment in terms of recruitment, playing style, and at the various levels of the football club last season, things just not going with any cohesive plan or at least it not working that way when it was, when it was sort of put out there. But I think another factor is that Norwich City. I think were trying to do something, and then just did not execute what they were trying to do. And then Daniel Farke very, very quickly, um, similarly to when Alex Neil conceded all those goals at Newcastle, abandoned these principles and then went to a more defensive sort of nature in, in terms of the way he was approaching games. And that was that. That, that was the point at which I think the season was lost. Um, even if Dean Smith could, uh, I suppose he could have sparked a renaissance remarkably. But I think it goes to show the paucity of the squad that you've had two separate managers that haven't been able to get a tune out of them even to to any degree of credibility at Premier League level. But I do agree with you. I think players like Billy Gilmore, whose spell was obviously fairly disastrous, um, Rashica, for one, Christos Jolis, If you don't have the the incident with the penalty hey, kick, maybe.
1: If he only played in the Bournemouth game and then got injured, we would be claiming he's the greatest player that's ever played for the club, and he just needs that shot to get back in the squad. So it's interesting,
0: but I don't, I don't, I don't want to get too off topic. But I thought that was an interesting point. Um, quite interesting because I'm sure a lot, some of our listeners will be U.S. sports fans, and they will understand the concept of a front office, a president of operations, ownership, and the separation there. Uh, in in English football, I think there has been more of an appreciation of that fact when people look at the the likes of Michael Edwards' role at Liverpool and in their success, Stuart Weber's role, obviously in Norwich City, which was was very successful early on and and then has kind of obviously plateaued or yo-yoed. Sorry, David Berman, I know you don't like that sort of phrase, but um, yeah, it's, it's 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 not necessarily. I think his brand, Stuart, the the Stuart Weber brand, has obviously taken. Like a, a big impact from the the standard or the or the lack of it that Norwich City managed to reach this season, but when I look at the the delegation that was present, that says to me, take over, because I don't think that you have members of the operational staff, the front office operational staff there, if it's just going to be an investment. If it's a purely financial transaction, money men are there, or money people, people that are involved in the, the nitty-gritty of financial deals, business-minded individuals. But if you're thinking of taking it over as a sporting entity and you're thinking about how you're going to administrate a football club from top to bottom and how the, the nature of the sporting operation is going to look, not just the ownership, That's why you bring such a big delegation with you. And that is one of the reasons that my spidey senses are telling me this is a takeover thoughts, gentlemen.
1: Well, I, I, I brought up that point earlier of, you know, you bring the big group, um, you take them from the middle of the, you take them from the middle of the major league baseball season. It wasn't the like spring training, which is the preseason. It wasn't the off season where nothing's happening. And Norwich is playing in the off-season. It's not like Norwich isn't playing in the Major League Baseball off-season. Major League Baseball's off-season is from November to early March. And that is the prime Premier League season. That is when you'd want to visit. That is the most important time to visit. But they're taking guys in the middle of the season and taking them to Norwich. Out of everywhere you could go, they go to Norwich, and that is what makes me feel that this is a bigger uh, investment, and/or as you've been saying, takeover. That it's it's certainly possible. I mean, it screams to me that they need they need this to happen, Norwich. If if, if this somehow falls through, I, I don't want to say it's a failure on the club, but it, it feels like we have this this hope that somehow this financial backing can really help us and i think even if it's just an investment it'll be a large investment it won't be a small asking it's gonna be it's gonna be big things but also um if you want to bring up this comment from chris Lacey here uh, you know giving D- D- delia and michael roles in the club i think people are a little negative towards delia and michael they've loved the club for
0: way. by the way I- i've got no time for that see the I appreciate that fans are dissatisfied with the way that the ownership looks and they realise that it places a glass ceiling on the football club, but Delia Smith and Michael Wynne-Jones have done nothing but good for Norwich City. They oh, to be they're applauded, amazing they people. Expected. And they are good people. That The fact that this club is still the, the county club that it is and and part of the fabric of the entire county of Norfolk is due to having an ownership like that and not being sold out just to the highest bidder. And actually, I think it's a good thing the Delia and Michael and people like Stuart Weber and and Zoe and stuff are there because I think that what that does is it gives people that know the football club and will ensure that it's not just a case of take the money and and sort of run. They're going to make sure that this, if it is handed off, whether they're involved or not, it's going to be for the best of the football club. And I think that's that's a very important thing. But any of the negativity towards these people, and let's let's bear in mind these these are people in the. And, and and the twilight of their life if you like people that 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 don't really deserve to have negativity thrust at them um and I think particularly within I'm going to sound like the grumpy old man here within the younger demographic the the FIFA generation of Norwich City fans um I, I see a lot of that I see a lot of that negativity and I understand your frustration at the glass ceiling but the glass ceiling is not in Michael's fault and if anything they've run the club that well that getting to the Premier League has created aspiration that otherwise Norwich City would not have. So, yeah, we ran over there. But aye, sorry, Ben, I think
1: you were going to come in. Well, I, I think that just one that, you know, they're it, they are too good of people to get the negativity that they get. And um, we've seen that how, one, courageous they were for embracing the idea that Daniel Fark from Dortmund two could come in and and build this new team from basically scratch. I mean, we saw some of those faces in that first year that were getting some run. And then Weber with taking players from the outskirts of Germany. I mean, we don't get Marco Stiepermann players, like we don't get Amortz Leitner. We don't get these guys, that Tom Tribal, that helped build the original culture that we're currently sitting on with Norwich City, if it's not for their courageousness to want to try something different. And I think that's where they don't get the credit they deserve. I think that... I I, um, I think the
0: courage, though, was to actually give Stuart Weber the role as sporting director because what they did is, and, and Stuart said this to me himself, that... It was the fact they were going to let him do his job. And part of his job was to hire the head coach. However, they, they actually had no say in that that process other than they will approve Stuart Weber's appointment when it came along. Actually, what happened is they did something very forward-thinking. Stuart Weber wasn't the first sporting director in English football, but he was the one that I think brought the role to prominence in, in many ways, that it became... More part of because people didn't know who Michael Edwards was for a long, long time. Damian Camole was the first proper sporting director type in, in English football. But and Stuart Weber was at Liverpool when Damian Camoli was at Liverpool. But I think what happened was Stuart Weber was given so much of a free reign and was so much of a, a prominent figurehead that he almost brought the, the idea of the role and, and and the cognizance of what the, the, the role actually meant and encapsulated, he, he brought that to English football and, and made it more prominent. And I think he was probably probably the most prominent of the, the sporting directors that we've seen in English football in many ways in terms of being the figurehead of the club. And particularly during that period where, as you say, he built a squad with um, sort of matchsticks financially and got them to the Premier League. It was remarkable. But again, that doesn't that doesn't come without the as you see, courageous hiring and Daniel Farca, and and all the rest of it. Now, sorry if I'm going over old ground here, uh, because I realise that you guys chatted in my absence while I was fighting the technical gremlins. Um, Sam, I'm really interested to know in terms of you guys at the Pinkin, uh, and I think one of the comments, <laughs> well, one of the comments is asking, is what's that with the blonde highlights? Um, I'll let you feel that. I'm kind of per- <laughs> I'll let you feel that personally. Um, but one of the comments, I'm I'm sorry that I can't see it right now. It was asking about how the, the the it could look with the new ownership and and whether it's going to be built in such a way that it incorporates sort of what the old Norwich City is, or whether it's going to be a, a, a sort of new generation, or or if it's an investment. How that's going to alter the picture and the way that it looks. So, what's your understanding in terms of how far along things are and and what the new shape might look like in, in terms of if and when a takeover gets ratified or approved or investment, whichever of the two. Yeah, well, I think there's two things that are probably important to note in that
2: situation: is that one, um, Didi and Michael aren't signing off on talks with with the group if they're not happy with their ethics and their values in terms of how they match up with norwich City and their current model Delia and Mike, michael have and the people they've they've trusted to, to work for the football club have put in a lot of work to create the culture that's there now and I think they're they're proud of it I think you know obviously things have been difficult um for a little while but generally the the culture for the uh, in the club has been um pretty good and, and they're pretty proud of it so I think the fact that they've agreed to, to even um, engage in these talks says a lot there. And I think another very key point is that Stuart Webber um, probably isn't as keenly teasing to the future if he thinks that he's going to be replaced. So I think it seems unlikely to me if that Weber, you know, two to three weeks exciting announcement is what we think it might be. He's he's not talking. Um, he's not he's not saying that if it if the announcement is him being replaced by David Stearns. In fact, he's probably not really even doing that interview if he thinks that he might be replaced by David Stearns. So I I think that suggests he's still going to be in place. That infrastructure that he's in charge of will probably still be in place and the culture, I think think they'll do what they can to try and retain the the culture that they've had in in previous years.
0: Hmm. Um, So does that maybe lean more towards investment rather than takeover. And even, e- however it looks, d- do you think we're going to see a change? Um, and feel free to chip in here yourself, Ben. Do you think there would be a change to make the... So in America, they talk of a front office, right? Here, we're t- we talk of a sporting director. All right, Neil Adams, assistant sporting director. All right, recruitment team and all of the staff, data analysts, all of the people that are, are, are involved in that recruitment process. People appreciate the role that every one of these individuals plays. But um, the focus is on the sporting director. And a lot of that comes from the culture of Alex Ferguson, the godfather manager, and then this move now to accepting the sporting director role. But it's always like the focus on a person. In American sports, even though there are people that are figureheads, the talk is of the front office. So is there a chance maybe that Norwich City moves towards more of a, a, a bigger operation? In, in that area of the club, or at least a restructure of how it looks and how it's administrated operationally. Well, I think it's, it, this
2: if this is as, as significant as it could be, there's no way there's no changes, right? I think, you know, especially after relegation, and it's probably it's an interesting point that we might come on to later, but this season is almost the perfect way of saying to fans, this is the reason why we need to change things. So I don't think everything is going to stay exactly the same if the investment is, is significant, especially if it's significant enough to, to signal a, a takeover or a, a change in the majority shareholders. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to be no changes. I would be surprised, and I'm not saying this isn't going to happen, it's obviously a possibility, but I would be very surprised if we see the words front office on the Norwich City website anytime soon.
0: Yeah, maybe not the wording, but like at least a change structurally.
2: I think it's possible. I I think these people have have seen it be successful with the Brewers. And um, it would be strange if they came into a sports club when they've been successful at another one before and didn't look to institute some of the things that they've done at that, that previous club. Um, but I think they're they're probably also respectful of what Norwich have done, what Norwich is about. And as I said, Delia and Michael wouldn't have engaged in these talks if they didn't think that those values aligned.
0: Okay, yeah. Ben, talk us through what they've done at the Milwaukee Brewers. How because I think that a lot of fans might already have read that there are parallels between the Milwaukee Brewers and Norwich City in terms of sort of smaller market uh fighting to um, be in sort of the playoffs maybe rather than than necessarily going on and winning um major silverware or whatever obviously anything can happen it's one of the great joys of american sports for me is that in a, a playoff situation anything can happen but um if you if you look at the the parallels definitely financially and, and punching above their weight uh, as, as the brewers i think have done in in recent seasons I'm by no means a, a baseball expert. This is where you can fill us in. But um, talk us through when Athanasio and the and, and the team came in there, uh, what they've done, what the hallmarks of their style are, uh, all of the successes, things they've done right, things they've not done right, and then how you think that could apply in an Orange City context.
1: Yeah, um, I think just going off of what Sam said, I think the idea of a front office is certainly interesting. Um one, I don't believe that that type of style will come to Norwich just because it hasn't come to other clubs like Liverpool or Chelsea or Man U or Arsenal. Um, I Because I, I don't think – I think that those roles with the titles are already sort of filled within Norwich's system. They're just not necessarily as well known as the, the big deciding factor, which would be Stuart Weber in Norwich's case. Um, but regarding the Milwaukee Brewers, they're – They're currently on a a nice playoff run. They've made the playoffs in consistent fashion over the past few years. Uh, But this was after a a rebuilding uh, system that had to happen. I mean, uh, a major part of the smaller market Major League Baseball teams is when you have players, your best players leave, you usually go under a two, three-year rebuilding period. And that's something that Norwich might have to go to. Hopefully that's never the case, especially with uh, having the funding to help uh, stop that from occurring. But um, they were able to restructure their team. They've done well in the Major League Baseball draft, which is where you MLS has a similar thing, which is where the top college players, and in baseball's case, high school players, are drafted to these teams and signed to outrageous signing bonuses. I mean, the top signing bonus this last year was upwards of towards $8 million for a high schooler. I mean, it's it's an outrageous way of American sport. I'm sure um, I
0: could ruin my professional sports career if I get that money leaving <laughs> high school age by how I would have, have wasted it.
1: Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely an interesting idea to give so much money to uh, such a young person. But um, they've done well in doing that. They've built a core of starting pitchers, uh, mainly I'm going to name two, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. They're not necessarily guys that started becoming good at a young age. They've developed their craft in the minor leagues, which is, the, I would say like the U23 structure, the U18 structure of Norwich. And they they became great pitchers and then moved to the first team level at, in that major league baseball where they've become great. And and then they also have, they've built a lineup that, had, that can compete. That I would say is definitely more of their weak side, the offensive side of the game. Um, but they've definitely built enough to compete year in and year out. And the thing is, is in Major League Baseball, you're competing within a division of five teams. It's not, you're not competing against 20 teams all season long. Your goal is to win your division, be first place. That guarantees you a spot in the playoffs. And what they've done as of recent is just enough to finish in that first spot or finish in that second spot, which would maybe get you a wild card spot in the playoffs. Um, so that's something that they do well is they do enough to get over the hump. And I think that's something that they can help Norwich with is doing that extra little bit, get that little bit of oomph to get Norwich over the mountain, over the hill, to competing, to actively maybe winning a game against the top six side. That's something Norwich didn't do this year. I mean, it's something that they have to be able to, uh, Change to get to that next level, and I think that's something that
0: Blues have done compete, well. Sadly, I mean, yeah. that, that's that's basically what we're looking at, and I, I don't think you can without outside investment anymore. How rich is this guy or this this ownership group?
1: You want to take this, Sam?
0: Yeah, to give you, a, a, I can give you exact. Well, I
2: say exact, it's obviously estimated, and it's not estimated by me, but net worth is uh, estimated to be seven hundred thousand, around seven hundred thousand, not not thousand million. Uh, 700 million dollars for Mark Atanasio and just over 100 million dollars for um Richard wrestler who would be the two main um sort of financiers in the, in this situation we talked a little bit about
0: I know um, this is a ridiculous thing to say right because I'm sure you could close every food bank in Britain with with that amount of money but that's not much well yeah I think the in Premier the League two, terms the two Net worths that
2: I've been contextualizing that for when I've when I've spoken to people about it is Delia Smith's uh, I think is just under thirty million pounds so about fifty million dollars maybe um, that's a very rough estimate so don't hold me to it but let's say Delia's is worth around fifty fifty million dollars and uh, Roman Abramovich is worth nine point eight billion so that's where they, that's the situation which. They're in, you know, percentage-wise and for, and uh, as a ratio to what Dele is worth, it's a massive, massive improvement. But compared to the very top clubs in England, Norwich is still struggling. Um, definitely enough for it to be worthwhile, I think, um, and definitely enough for things to change for Norwich. But, you know, it's not going to be, we're not going to see a Newcastle style, uh, what people are anticipating of Newcastle, a Man City style surge to the, the top of the Premier League. Can, can I
0: problem. give you a, a context again? Uh, 320 billion is the the assets of the consortium that bought Newcastle. So <laughs> there, you go. there, there you, go. you go. But yeah, I, I think any I think as you say, that's a really good way to look at it, Sam, is ratio. Um, and ratio means scope for improvement, means scope to be invested into the club. Um, Mark Forster, I know I know this is a, a topic he's following really keenly By the way, he's part of the American Aries podcast I've been on it a couple of times Definitely fire on there lads It's um, lads and lassies and anyone listening Because it is, uh, it, it, I, I've had a really good time I actually showed, I, I told some of my stories that I've never told um, Definitely in the, I can't remember if it was the first or second time I was on uh but I had a really good time and, and they do some really good work but Mark makes an interesting point he says if you're going to buy a team uh who is going to give you bang for the buck these guys are all about the return on investment now I think that is a really good point and to give a bit of context to that as well I wrote um for my day job um with Sky I wrote an article yesterday about uh LeBron James and Luka Doncic because Liverpool were playing Real Madrid Um, And they both have have a foot in in either camp. And LeBron James made an investment in Liverpool uh, back in 2011. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the kind of Paul Kinczeski Liverpool era. Um, And they finished, that was the season they finished sixth. They got knocked out of uh, one of the Cups. I think it was the League Cup by Northampton Town. His investment in Liverpool, um, which bear in mind um, the Fenway Sports Group he, and he's now sort of, he increased that investment last year um, and became officially part of the ownership group of of, of Fenway, um, LeBron James did. And his, his investment, which I think was around 2 million at the time, um, is now worth around, or sorry, 4 million at the time, is now worth nearly 10 times that, given the success that Liverpool have had. And given how big the Premier League is, given the global entity that it is, it's constantly spreading tentacles around into new territories, into new areas of the globe. I imagine a major point of emphasis with these guys in terms of how they're looking at this is how can we globalise the Canaries as a brand? I know for a fact that that's a topic close to Stuart Weber's heart. Me and him have had a few conversations about that in the past and the importance of it. And I think that this is something that they're looking at as a, I would imagine this ownership group are looking at as as a key area of interest is is how can we make this a global entity and if you could stabilize Norwich City in the Premier League and say you could do something remarkable get a run to a cup final um something like that then that would be something that would pr- definitely provide some return on investment it would definitely provide value which is 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 the key the key factor here. I think there's a couple of important points to extrapolate out of that sort of diatribe that I've just given you there. One is Fenway Sports Group and ownership groups, right? So what parallels could we draw between that Liverpool operation and what it might look like with these guys, Um, whether it was to be an investment or a takeover or or however it looks. um, What parallels can we draw there? And what, I mean, I've sort of surmised what I think might be at the forefront of their thinking in terms of if they do want to eventually go ahead with that investment in Norwich City. Um, But what would you guys pick out as as key areas of focus, maybe, that they might be considering when it's a case of do we part with our money or not? And I'm happy for either of you to come in here first, but I want to hear from both of you.
1: Yeah, um, I would start with return on investment. Return on investment would start with investing in the championship and making the Premier League. I mean, that off the bat is return on investment. That is a ton of money that comes into your club just immediate. That is immediate success and immediate money. And that's something that would really help Norwich. But then again, you're talking about brand image. And I think this all starts with the new crest, which I believe launches in the middle of ne- in the middle of June. Yep. Um, that is just as important as building the championship squad. It is making sure that everyone knows that is Norwich. That is what Norwich is now. And I'm glad we didn't have a situation like Leeds when they tried to change their crest, which is, it's a silly looking badge that the supporters are never going to be involved with. This, though, I do prefer the old badge. I think most Norwich supporters will always prefer the old badge. But it is just a revitalization, a fresh look, a cleaner, technically designed Norwich crest that can help boost brand image into maybe the Americas, maybe the rest of Europe for areas that might not know Norwich as well and maybe make it a destination for football, which I think is ultimately Norwich's goal on the grand stage of things.
0: Hmm. Sam, what's your, your thoughts on what they might be considering? Yeah, I think as, uh, as
2: depressing an answer as it is for, for Norwich fans, I think probably a, a big factor they're considering is where else do you go? <laughs> um, it's a, a bit of a basic point, but you know, you look at with a, a value of, of seven hundred million dollars, you're not touching the top six. Newcastle have already had enormous investment. Yeah, you're
0: not you're not you're touching not. the top
2: fifteen. No,
0: well, yeah, that's, this what Top I mean. twelve, so,
2: definitely, you can't so, go
0: near with that. So once you've got that,
2: where do you go, right? And then and you're looking at Burnley have recently had investment. Um, you know, there's there's quite a lot. Yeah, of, there's not many that.
0: options in the table. know, so, that's a point I didn't consider. You know, I'm sure as Norwich fans, we
2: don't want to be sat here saying, uh. You know, Norwich fans don't want to think they're only investing in us because we're the only available option. I'm sure they, they you know, they probably. But we? I mean,
0: we might it, be the best available they, option. That's yeah, a good
2: yeah. But it's out of realistically, in this sort of level of club, they've got a choice of maybe five to ten clubs, right? It's not like they've not chosen. They've not looked at the 92, and this is the, the their their favourite in terms of this this group of clubs that are available that would be available for investment. Um. I mean, you've got to also think that, that Norwich have, have got their feelers out. It, it, Delia and, and Michael have been open about the fact that they are open to investment. They've, You know, they haven't ever come out and said clubs for sale, but they've never been totally closed off. And if the right person came in, they would consider it. And, that, you know, it may well happen that they looked at football and somebody said to them, Norwich have always been open to it and they've just finished with, or, well, I, I imagine this probably took place before they finished with 22 points, but might have been a case of they're miserably bottom of the league and everyone keeps saying they don't invest and they're open to investment. Why isn't, why don't you have a look at this club? I think yellow and green is a, a nice brand, a nice standout.
0: It's unique.
2: Yeah. And it's those sorts of things that will stand out. Maybe Norwich aren't making loads of money off yellow and green at the moment, but it's the sorts of things that you look at and you see potential if you're a, a business person and you're looking for a brand that you could maybe take much further. So I think there are probably lots of small things, but unfortunately the, very basic and and boring truth is that there probably weren't too
1: many options that that they had. Yeah. um, Just going off what you're saying, Sam, that is completely factual in this situation is, you know, there isn't a a bunch of opportunities to invest unless you really badly want to get into a team that's bordering on administration, which I'm fairly confident no one with that much amount of money really wants to get into right now. Um, But Norwich is kind of, I'm gonna say it's a, it's like a unicorn of the UK football world. I mean, one yellow and green. Who else in the UK? Well, one for the
0: American sports fans here, but I hope uh, Norwich City's fortunes are looking better than Chris Stapp's
1: Porzingis. That's that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. But uh, you know, also just completely on the Milwaukee, Wisconsin side of things. Yellow and green is already a prop a proper brand in Wisconsin. Great but, point with the Green Bay Packers. So if you're making a move, let's say as the Milwaukee Brewers group, you're able to get this is a big hypothetical. I'm I'm dreaming over here. Oh, I've already
0: my head's going crazy, man. But I'm this is my we hypothetical get like an ice machine, and then we like
1: freeze up Carroll Road for important <laughs> matches like Lambeau Field. We uh they invest in Norwich successful, and then the Green Bay Packers are a fan-run club. They're the only National Football League team that are majority fan-owned. And what if they say, we see the green and yellow brand with Norwich. Let's partner with Norwich. That is – this this has the scope, the possibility to become a larger thing. Of course, this is a bunch of what-ifs. But I think it's getting into that one Wisconsin market, hopefully. I mean, they've done a great job with Tampa Bay. I mean, Tampa Bay Rowdies and Norwich, even though Tampa Bay Rowdies are in the second tier of uh, of United States football, um, it's still very exciting because to see Norwich interact with another American team is already pretty cool to me. I mean, when the Buccaneers were in the Super Bowl, Norwich was wishing them congratulations. They made an edit. I think it was of Timu Puki and Tom Brady. What the hell – like that is not normal for Norwich, so I think it's it's banking on that See, idea.
0: Another thing as well, just on that note, is, uh, I mean here in in Britain, we obviously we and especially with the Premier League, sometimes there's a very nationalistic myopic look at things. I think the idea that you if you if you can establish Norwich City as a brand in the USA even to start with, then and that Green Bay Packers points a brilliant one the Tampa Bay, other end of the country. But again, there's there, there's a parallel, there's a link there. If there's a way that you can, through various sort of ways of doing it, grow Norwich City. I mean, Ben, off the top of your head, I'm not expecting an exact answer. What's the population of the US? A lot. All right. No, okay. There, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look these up and furnish myself with the detail in a minute. But um I, I think that idea that you, you, if you can establish Norwich City in that market and even get one percent of the population to buy in, that's a huge contribution to to Norwich City and what they can do as a club. And if you just want evidence of what a bit of celebrity gravitas can do, look at Wrexham's Twitter following since Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney took over. You know, like <laughs> they've now got interest from all over the globe. I'm not suggesting we get Brad Pitt in as part of the <laughs> as part of the ownership group, but. I think growing Norwich City in that new territory, I think that's a natural step for the club. Because as much as Man United have had their problems off the field and Ed Woodward's spell in charge of things wasn't good there, in terms of globalising Manchester United as a brand, they are a behemoth. They make a colossal amount of money every year, much more than any of the other giant clubs, just by virtue of his commercial no know-how and and what he was able to build there from that standpoint. If Norwich City can even do bits of these things, then that is going to make a massive difference to the football club. Not saying that you can do it as a self-funded club, but with investment plus what you could build upon on top of that investment. And there have been a few questions about whether we could get US sponsorship deals and things through that. All of that stuff, even if it's not part of the original package, your scope to then... Do commercial deals in the United States and in other territories becomes much greater. So that's one of the things that, for me, makes this so exciting that that this news, this potential that that, that we have for investment.
2: Fair play to Mark Foster, who literally got the population
0: bang on off the top of his head, three hundred and thirty million. Yes, good work, Mark. Um, so let's get three know, million. Uh, by the way, I have to say, uh, Mark is kind of unofficially producing this show because he's coming in with comments that are all giving me good bases to go from <laughs> to questions. And if I do another pod, mate, I'm definitely going to have you on it. No question about that. Um, so we were asking earlier on about Stuart Weber and how he might fit into the group of things. And uh, Mark Foster, you're going to be all over the screen. In fact, yeah, you're even. Crushing the bottom half of Sam's face. See if you can peek above the comments, Sam. What if you get there, we go right when Atanasio. By the way, how, what's was the exact pronunciation, Ben?
1: I believe it's just uh, Atanasio. That's Atanasio, what I Right, That's I'm what just I double checking. <laughs> it no. It's it's, no. it's a New York name. It's very Bronx Italian roots. Does he talk him? like that. How does he talk? I, I'm honestly unsure. He does. He does. Uh, Mark in that thread, Mark posted. He, there's a video of him talking on their TV broadcast. He's a very open owner with this community, which also helps.
0: That's very in keeping with the Norwich brand as well. But when Atanasio came to the Brewers, Mark Foster's writing he inherited the GM, which Weber's role. Doug Melvin and kept him in that role for ten plus years, and Melvin is still now with the Brewers as a senior special advisor, despite overtures from elsewhere. So I think that probably gives you a bit of an answer to that question uh, in in terms of Weber will still be involved in, in some way if that's what all parties agree that they, that they want to do. So I think that's um, a good fact. And then to pick up on something else Mark said, which just, not to put a timeline on it, but could be exciting. When he bought the Brewers, the news leaked in mid-September and the agreement was completed about two weeks later. Now, you reckon... That things are fairly advanced, Sam. How advanced? it be within a fortnight a major money going into Norwich City.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a gamble for me to guess that specifically. Um, yeah, I'd say not too far away. But no, you're, you're pressing me there a bit, Hodgy. Unfortunately,
0: no, that's all right, mate. I just wanted to put you in the spot.
2: Yeah, one, I it's, I it's, something to, to say is that Norwich have clearly. Um, they're very keen to just get it done. I don't think they want all this drawn out. You've seen it with Derby quite a lot in terms of so much. This is happening, this is happening. Now it's not happening. I don't think they want any of that. I think, ideally, they would have just announced it. By the it way, happened.
0: if you want an example of why Delia and Michael, again, should be given credit, just look at what Mel Morris, who's a guy that loves Derby County, how badly he's got it wrong for his club. He's, he's caused them to get relegated by over-egging the pudding and having too much of a go at getting to the Premier League and then not getting there. So that's evidence of why having a club that's prudently run is, is a good thing. Um, look, Travis has a question. I'm going to come in with plenty of fan questions now. Time for Sam to do his peaking act again if you be bothered. Um, how much do they typically invest each year with the Brewers roster, Luke asks? He says, I doubt it's going to be making huge differences to our transfer budget but maybe we won't, won't miss out on players like Christopher Ayer next time. He, of course, went to Brentford last summer when Norwich were definitely definitely interested in him. Um, I'm not sure necessarily what swung Ayer. It could have been money. could have been other things. Uh, I imagine it was money. Um, Sam, you're usually quite connected to the transfer stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Do you get any input on that just quickly? On Ayer?
2: Well, on Ayer? Yeah. Do you, I, I do don't you it. Swung it? I think it was a fee
0: situation. I don't think they wanted to
2: pay the fee that Brentford that's uh,
0: this, this is Fabrizio Romano, by the way. Um, of, <laughs> of, of, of NCFC.
1: Um but Ben, I, yeah, how much I do they typically invest? There. Sorry? I can give some insight on this one, yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Um so how much do they invest in each year in the Brewer's roster? What 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 can you tell us about that? And what should we expect with Norwich City? Maybe more of a, a gradual sort of um, making sure that money's there for bigger deals rather than an initial splurge? Or do you think they'll come in and throw something at it from the get-go?
1: Yeah, so I want to do first a little bit of like a uh, con- MLB contracts for dummies type idea here. Um, so helpful. right, right, right as a major league baseball player joins the active roster, if they stay on the active roster for every single year, they're team-owned for seven years. It's not like you can drop out of the league, drop out of the team. You can request trades, of course, but you're contracted to that team for seven years. It's not, it's not a situation where you can ask for a transfer and, you know, be sent out somewhere else guaranteed. So one, that's part of it. So that is a lot of the contract contracts that the brewers hold currently. Um, It's not necessarily a year by year. How much can we spend thing? They take it year by year. If there is a player that Is there's a bidding war for him in free agency, which is you know just the pool of players that aren't associated with the team. They're going to try and put their best effort in, but they're like Norwich. They're not going to be going after guys that are you know overly expensive, guys that are going to hold up their payroll to limit them in future years. Right here, as Mark, if you want to put the comment up, he just has the MLB payrolls up. Milwaukee's in the middle of the pack. They're not spending as much as the team I root for, Los Angeles Dodgers, which is almost 300 million. I mean, think about that. That's, that's Liverpool numbers. That's, you know, Manchester United numbers. These are owners. The Dodgers owner uh, Taboli is now going in with Chelsea. I mean, this is just a bunch of money that is easily spent without much thought regarding necessarily, are we holding too much money in one player right now? but I'm just going to take you through some of the Brewers' contracts currently. Um, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They have 10 players currently on their contract that are making upwards of $5 million a year, if you want to look at it from that perspective. They have multiple players above the $10 million range, the highest with Christian Yellick, whose average contract is $27 million a year if you round up from 269 Um He's unafraid to spend money. This is not an owner who's unafraid to spend it, but he's not going to actively compete for outrageous contracts, if that makes sense. And so to answer Luke's question of how much do the brewers typically invest, they're willing to invest upwards of $50 million in free agency market, which is technically the transfer market, but it's not necessarily going to be a thing if there's a bidding war and multiple teams are upping upping, upping the ante for these players. I don't think Norwich wants to get involved with those type of bidding words anyway.
0: Yeah, true. But we want to be able to outbid Brent. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's that's it's the exactly. It's the, who
0: you're bidding against, and yeah. and I think that's the 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 key here. And if it's the right piece, it's whether you go for it. And I just think Dealey and Michael and the, the self-funded club, you have to put prudence at the forefront of all of your thoughts. And the, what this ownership group might allow us to do is to make exceptions to the rule. So um, I think Emmy Blendia I wanted to go anyway, but say you had that conversation that was had with them where it was agreed to sell them at the end of the season. What if the conversation instead is, look, Emmy, at the end of this season, as long as we go up, we're going to double your wage or we're, we're going to treble your wage. or, well, or here you we say, go. yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll double your wage and we'll go get pieces to compete. We'll go get pieces to compete. And as well as that, if it doesn't work, we'll put in a relegation release clause for whatever amount to allow you to go. Well, I'd say the amount you went for, for example. And that, I think, is a way that Norwich City could potentially look at things now. It creates a step up in terms of how we can look at these negotiations. And you're not constantly going to be looking at getting like that the hardest I mean you're still gonna be looking to get valuable for money as as, as much as possible, but you're not gonna be looking to nail down like the cheapest possible deal and pluck diamonds from the the far-flung areas of Uzbekistan to make your team compete in the Premier League. You're gonna try and get yes value players and players like the Tamir Puki signing, um stuff like that. But also, if you see a player that you really like, that you think he could be the difference, like an Iyer maybe this season, I'm not saying that he would have made a difference, it was forward areas, we needed more. But you could maybe look at these things and then go, yeah, do you know what? Let's go for that. And I think that is one of the real, real positives that I've got in my head regarding all of this. Um, I want to come back to a comment Neil Luther made um, quite early on in the stream. And that says, no mention of the Norwich City takeover in the mainstream media yet. And I, I don't think I've seen anything, definitely nothing prominent particularly.
2: I've, I've seen something from BBC. Um, and what, what did that say, Sam? It's pretty much just... credit. your out story. story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't use the, that that term. <laughs> but, um, no, they, yeah, they pretty much just said, this is the thing, according to the Pinken. Um And I think there was an ITV... Anglia uh, thing that sort of put in a bit of their own input,
0: but no Sky Sports, no, 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 no international. No, traffic I suppose, court.
2: yeah, I suppose you have to consider Champions League final, night playoff final.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, I think there's been a lot in the news agenda, but I think something like this, I mean, I think size of club comes into it as well. Yeah. If there's a rumor of a takeover at uh, one of the top 12 to 15 clubs. I think they've got a reporter standing outside getting wet in the rain. Regardless, um, I think Norwich City. I think I think partly based on the season we've had, all of the the, the national media sticking the boot in, and us then basically vindicating uh, their statements about us not competing. Uh, I think that that's part of the reason that it's not been there, and I think they're probably just waiting for the next major development in the story. And well, I think, um, I think yeah.
1: part of it's the word takeover is not being used and um investment is is like oh they're just shelling in a bunch a little bit of money it's not necessarily but I think also some credit to the the pinkoon is that local journalism is what feeds the uh the mainstream media's access the two local journals here go champion eat the drum boys (laughs) <laughs> and without without the scoops that for example that C- connor helped the Pinkun get is that th- those mainstream media scoops don't occur so this is credit to you guys at the Pinkoon, is that you guys have the scoop and you guys are the ones putting together the pieces in it and the mainstream media is wait I, I i believe you're right it's waiting for the next step i mean is this actually going to occur and i mean and as mark is saying in the comments as well as a local TV station did a thing on Norwich, but no big stories yet from The Athletic, but I'm sure Michael Bailey's working on that with the athletic people in America right now.
0: Yeah, that must be an interesting um, aspect of of Michael's new job is that he can get involved um, with the guys over there. I I know you're in a totally different part of the country, Ben, um, and and obviously we're hearing that there has been some some, some coverage in, in the sort of Wisconsin area how exciting would this be uh, obviously there's been bigger owners from bigger american sports clubs um taking over bigger premier league clubs uh but w- w- would this would this register on a national level if if it goes through uh on the on, on the american news agenda do you think or, or do you think that maybe depends on whether it's a takeover or investment
1: situation or what do you think well, I think it's going to be very well covered in Wisconsin if it happens and it definitely that region of the United States. Um, Milwaukee in Wisconsin covers a bunch of states for their baseball team, the Brewers. So I think that also helps with getting the coverage out there. I think there will be likely, if this does occur, a story in the New York Times, mainly because New York Times owns The Athletic. So that's a just another thing as well. Um, but... Um, I think for me as an American North supporter, one, I've seen a bunch of excitement in the Mary American Canaries Facebook group um, that Mark is also a part of. I mean, everyone is excited with the idea of this. Um, I was telling Sam before we started talking on the on the podcast today that when I woke up and saw Milwaukee Brewers in a tweet, an article from the pink, I was I was excited and confused and it woke me up immediately as I woke up. It was like, what the hell am I reading? This It was wonderful news to me. And I think it's just as excitement as getting the Sebastian Soto into the club, even though he's likely on his way out again. But the Josh Sargent, I mean, if Josh Sargent kicks on in the championship, that's a bunch of Norwich, new Norwich fans watching because people will watch yeah. Norwich matches just for Josh Sargent. And then also with Jonathan Tompkinson in the U23 team, I mean, the sky's the limit for him, in my opinion. He's got a lot of loads of potential—a big guy, a big force, and a big centre back that can really be part of Norwich's next crop of academy products to make the big step. Along with Rowe and um, Springett.
0: Fair point. Fair point. Tony Springett—that's um, that's definitely one to be to be quite popular about. Let's speak about your transfer tentacles, and it's slightly off topic of the general pod, Sam. Um, Joe Rothwell, what, what do we know about that? I can't really uh, update that too much. There's obviously a, a
2: report from the Herald saying that uh, Norwich are interested. Uh, a few sort of similar level clubs, I think Rangers um, also interested. And I'm trying to think of any idea. Scottish
0: people watching this are going well, um, Norwich and Rangers are nowhere near the same size. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, okay, not saying same you know, financially, terms, I, 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 I get what you mean. They, yeah. they,
2: will, compete, they will compete for similar players. I think yes. that's that's fair to say. Uh, yeah. Fulham and um, the other, Bournemouth, I think, were also linked. Um, also, some quotes from Tony Mowbray, who mm-hmm. is leaving Blackburn at the same time as Rothwell, but obviously has been his, his manager and seemed very convinced that he'll play at Premier League level and that he's a Premier I, I've, League I've player.
0: commented in a lot of Blackburn games in the last two years, and Rothwell has always stood out as a midfield dynamo, a great player, kind of not as... Um, Robust in build, but reminds me of Bradley Johnson quite a bit. And that he's a, a player that likes to carry the ball through midfield, likes to get into the box, and and sort of make chances, score goals um at left footy. So um I think, and 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 that is the if you were looking for a Canak, he's kind of like I would say that like maybe minus the muscle and the heft. Bradley Johnson type player, and I've loved Rothwell. In every Blackburn game I've been commentating recently, um, well, I say recently, but within the last couple of years, he has stood out with his energy, his industry, and his enterprise. And it's exactly the kind of signing I think Norwich City should be making. So I'm hoping that that one is true, and that it may well come off. Yeah, I mean we'll have it covered. Pinger.com. Yes, 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 yes. I'm gonna give you guys a chance to do uh, a plug. Some fun stuff uh for us before we go. Luke Travis, which Norwich City player would be the best baseball player? How, how uh, can you
2: say how can you say anything
0: other than goalkeepers? I mean it's pretty no. Well, right. Well, um now I don't know, I'm no good in my baseball positions. A short stop the one with a glove?
1: So everyone has a glove on the field. Um, right. So, who,
0: who's the one that stands behind the batter? Is that shortstop? That's the catcher. That's the catcher. Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: It's pretty, um, it's it's a it's a perfect name for the position because they're the one actively catch trying to catch the ball in every single play.
0: Right. So catcher is automatically the goalkeeper. Let's say that. Right. Even though, obviously, hand-tie coordination is the name of the game. Um, but if we're thinking of a baseball player, let's say hitter. Let's say, like, in terms of how they can hit the ball, who, who do you think would be best? Or, or, or just take the question in, in the spirit it's intended. Luke Travis.
2: I'd, I'd say Hanley. I mean, just in terms of, I think most likely to have the biggest arms, also probably quickest mm-hmm. to get round. I don't know baseball very well, but I presume in a hitting role, you need to be quick to, to get round. Also big arms, as as, as I said. No. Yeah,
0: well, um, Luke has a, a great point, point here. by the way. He says, Don't Cubans love baseball? Yeah, O'Neill uh, must be
1: decent. Cuba is Cuba's national sport is baseball. So um I think O'Neill probably is very good at baseball, but I'm gonna go with a little off pick. A few years back when Norwich um went to Tampa Bay for their little uh was it a mid-season thing? I can't even remember at this point. But they visited the Tampa Bay Rays, the baseball team in Tampa. Yep. And uh, they did play a little baseball, from what I recall. Um, oh! If, if 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 I'm able to find the video, I'll send it to you guys later. But um, Right.
0: I, I promise, by the way, that will go on my Twitter. If, if we find that, what I'll we'll do is I'll we'll do it as a reply to the tweet of the stream. So if anybody wants to see that, um, if you can find it, Ben, I will pop that on there. But yeah,
1: t- do tell. Um, from what I remember, I believe Moritz Leitner was pretty good. He's no longer with Norwich, but I believe that he actually hit the ball pretty far. But I'm going to go he with didn't a- run. Was that the problem? Like he hit the ball <laughs> out the ground, like, and then just didn't run after it. Uh, I don't even know, but it's it's pretty it's pretty funny. I'm just thinking, guys, that were on that team at that time. Um, I'm going to go with. Uh, Kenny McLean because I feel like he's just gonna have fun with whatever he does anyway. Mm. So, um, but then if not him, I would go with Adamita. Um, really tall, strong, mm. built, broad guys are yeah, usually pretty good Columbia at hitting the ball.
0: Player. I see that.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think he he'd, he'd put the, hit the ball pretty far. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, but I also imagine Jonathan Tompkinson would be pretty good because, or Josh Sargent, because. They are in fact American, so they probably yeah. have a little experience. Well, from yeah, they,
0: they have maybe been to a ballpark, which will be uh, a start over to anyone else. Mark Forster got to have his input. He's going to say, "Pookie, have you ever seen the Finnish version of baseball?" I can't say that I have. I um, thought
1: they were rallies. Yeah, Mark. Mark is to something because Finnish baseball, it is a completely different sport, and it's a it's it's a it's fun to watch. It's it's for me if I was. A cricket fan that watched baseball for the first time i'd be like what the hell is this sport and it's kind of the same thing with baseball and then watching finished baseball it's right okay it's their own interpretation of
0: what did uh, they play on football. ice or something like what's going on
1: <laughs> well <laughs> they've got a ton of different rules i'll tell you that much
0: <laughs> well that sounds that i mean that sounds i am finished baseball you know what? What I love about Hodge on Nodge podcast is you never know which direction we are going to go in and finish baseball. It was never a thing that I thought I was going to talk about on this podcast. Gentlemen, last thing I like to do just before I let you do your plugs and, and what have you is do you have any questions that you guys want to bring up? Want to ask me what I hit back my way? Because I'm always the one asking the questions. I'm happy to field any if you've got any before I go.
1: Well, I'll start with you, Hodge. Here with uh, who
0: do you have in Game Seven tonight? Who that? Oh, Boston Celtics.
1: Yeah, I uh, Boston I, Celtics. I'll, are... I'll go the opposite of you. I, I'm feeling Jimmy Butler again. I think he's gonna. I think he's got it. I. He's he's got the star potential that he's always carried his career, and I think he's going to bring them to the finals. Which would be I exciting. think
0: he's already had his game. Forty-seven points in Game Six was amazing, but. Um, Jason Tatum's going to do it tonight, and do you know a lot of it will depend on who's there. I think the Heat could well do it if Tyler Harrell's there, because um, they really miss his scoring punch from yeah, the you bench. Need,
1: you, you need your best players healthy when you get that far in.
0: Absolutely. But I think the finals, everywhere, like the see the big difference is I think the Celtics can give the Warriors, like, I think they can give with yes. them in the finals. That's at least a six game final series. I think it's five games or less if the Heat get there. So that's why I want the Celtics to win as well. Um, but yes, right. Okay. I feel the basketball question. Sam, you got anything for me? I don't know. It feels a bit like a, a job interview getting asked this at the end. I should have prepared
2: something like, <laughs> what's it like to work for Hodgie the Hat? But uh, yeah. no, I don't really. Don't really have. Oh, I do have a Pepsi Max can that I'm going to throw about everywhere, but no, I don't really have. Um.
0: Other caffeinated beverages are available. <laughs> so, so true.
2: Um,
0: yeah, no, but uh, no, it's been great. Thank you for, for having me on. Nice one. Um, a couple of last things. It's called Pesapalo, Finnish Baseball. And Cameron Hansel comes out with a fantastic shout in terms of. Um, the baseball. How could we not have thought of that, <laughs> Teddy? He knows how to blast the ball. Fantastic stuff, um, gentlemen. Tell everyone involved whereabouts they can find you guys um, if they want to. I'll let you go first, Ben.
1: Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram, Twitter at the Ben Royer. Um, I'm currently writing for Sports Illustrated for a UCLA website, the college where I will be attending school in the fall. And um, I also uh, write for my Congratulations student. on that by the way. Yeah. Thank you. I, I also write for my student publication, Los Angeles Valley College, The Valley Star. I'm the sports editor there. We have a few soccer stuff there. Um, it's women's soccer. It's the only soccer sport we have um, at the school. but um, look forward to see what I'm doing in the next few uh, months. I'll be likely joining student publication at UCLA as well fantastic mate uh, a, a fantastic
0: ground and i'm sure you're going to go into great things a bit like the man below me <laughs> thank you so much yeah um i mean we all the the new stuff and the
2: you know the basic lines are on com to, to keep up to date with all this um investment stuff but we've done me and my colleagues have done a lot of sort of deeper research and, and some deeper pieces about what it might look like if if that investment does go through and that's all available on the the pink and plus app i think if you go on the pink com, if you go on pink com, there's a little pink and plus tab that you can go to other than that by the eastern daily press by the night's evening news um we're everywhere so
0: yeah yeah that's true the Norwich evening news had the best headline i've seen in, the <laughs> in a long time uh in the last couple of things 99 problems but a bridge ain't one proper good local news story something to do with a bridge and um Just uh, using some Jay-Z inspiration for the headline there. And who says Norfolk's Stuck in the Dark Ages? eh? Very good contemporary reference, if you ask me. Um, Thanks for listening, everyone. As my wee blurb says, you can, of course, subscribe to Hodgie the Hack on YouTube. That's my branding on all the social media. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and I do have a Hodgie the Hack Facebook page. If you could follow all of those, then I would be really grateful. If you have enjoyed the podcast today, if you could share the stream on whichever one of the social media you want, then I keep clapping my hands, that never sounds good. Um, then I would really much appreciate it. And you can also, if you prefer your your podcasts and audio format, find Hodge on Nodge on your favorite podcast player. Uh, and again, if you like that, please do subscribe and then give us a wee rating on there if you fancy it. Sorry it's taken so long, by the way, to do one of these, but <sighs> do you know what? I didn't really want to talk about Norwich City for three months. Who can blame me? I did the occasional Twitter space, and they will be a thing again as well. But um, if there's another major development in this story, and when it comes to transfer time, I really do like doing the podcasts where we find out about new players, because that's obviously really exciting when we get them. Um, so I will make sure and do a few of those um, the nature of the beast though is just that my day job is very busy at the moment But I'm very very grateful for my loyal fans the numbers have been fantastic um, on the stream um, and on the podcast whenever I do get around to posting them so I'm very very grateful for that and who knows we might have a Norwich City team that's some money spent this summer next time I do one of these here's hoping anyway thank you very much to the gentlemen cheers Ben, cheers Sam and thank you to you are allowed to say cheers back by the way.
2: Cheers, yeah. thank you so much, Hodji. I appreciate being on here so much. You're my oh favorite yeah friend. yeah
0: yeah. I'm such a philanthropist. I love giving back. <laughs> um, <laughs> and thank you to all of you guys out there who have watched and listened on the Ball City.